Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Now, when you come into worship, you lift my name above others. You stand in my presence. You must reckon that your God is here, that your God is present with you, that he cares and has compassion for you. So let these times of fellowship with my heart and yours strengthen your resolve to step forward and not back, to increase and not decrease, to stay alive and healthy, not dying and sick, and to make the decision that my king rules in my life. You shall see the benefit, experience the glory, and your life will become the testimony of these last days of how I can hold and keep a people in the midst of the worst storms. So every time you come into my presence, every time you worship and glorify the one who has redeemed you, I give back to you that strength, that resolve, that strengthens your heart, helps your faith operate, keeps you in tune with the Spirit, and causes you to move forward in all the good things I have for you. Hallelujah. In your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've been studying the subject of what I would call operational faith. I'm going to kind of take another little rabbit trail off of that, but it does apply to it, and we'll show you how. I want to talk to you this morning about the power of God. Now, I know that 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 subject many times, you know, when you look across the vast, what would you call it, the vast organizations of denominationalism, there's very... I mean, it's, it's, it's literally microscopic, the amount of believers that believe, actually believe that the power of God is on the earth and active today. Most Christians don't believe that. If you ask them the question, you know, does God have power? Oh, yeah, yeah, God has power. Well, is, is that power available to you? Well, most people say, honestly, I don't know. I don't know if the power is available to me. And then if you get around Christians who've been indoctrinated with certain doctrines, they'll tell you, well, no, that, that power left when the last apostle died. Well, if that was true, if 2,000 years have gone by and that power left when the last apostles died, there's no way Christianity would be on the earth. I mean, the, the, the power of, of darkness would destroy it. But now there's three. We could talk about all different kinds of power, you know, power of prayer, power of, the, uh, of agreement. We could talk about power of unity. But there are three subjects in which you as a believer, you must know about this power You must know how to get this power. You need to know how to assimilate it. That means bring it on the inside of you. And then you need to know how to produce it in a working manner in your life. Let me just say this. You need to learn to walk in the power of God every day because there is power. Now, the three subjects that I want, that that we're going to, we won't exhaust them today. As a matter of fact, we'll probably just get introduced to them and, and pick up on one of them. But there's number one, the power of the word. Everybody say the word. Now, we don't, we don't realize many times how, how powerfully the Word is working in us. I guarantee you, if we got a readout from heaven every Sunday morning of all of the ways the Word worked in power in all of our lives during the week, it'd probably be pages and pages. And we didn't even realize, oh, that was the power of God. Oh, that was the power of God. Oh, that was the power of God to protect us, to keep us, to enlighten us. Amen. 
and to keep us saved. Now listen, just the, just the, the reality of salvation, which is very powerful, but so is the reality of sin. And I've experienced both on, on uh, 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 of, course, of course, the power of salvation. There is, that's an unlimited level. But the, but the level of sin I experienced, I'm ashamed of. I, I should have never experienced sin on that level. I was born again as a, as a young Christian. But understanding that power, See, a lot of people don't understand that. They look at the drug world, the alcohol world, and they don't realize the power of even perverse lifestyles that people live in. They think, well, they're just out there just... Uh, no, they're, they're, the power of that captures them. There's a power... Uh, Lee and I were talking about that yesterday. There's a power in the very lifestyle that gives you a false security. Drugs, people don't understand. People, you know, out there, people out there doing drugs are all miserable. No, they're not. They do those drugs because those drugs make them feel good. Do you understand that? Not only do they make them feel good, if you do drugs in excess, it removes all your worry, all your pain, any anxiety about the future. I'm telling you, it takes all your problems away for a few hours until you have to do it again. And then a few hours after that, then you have to do it again. Then a few hours after that, and you have to do it. And you got to perpetuate that into a lifestyle. And that lifestyle is a lifestyle of death. But I'm going to tell you to get out of it, you better have some power. You say, why? Because it has some power to hold you. Don't you think these drugs they have out there today, and most of them are not the drugs we had in our day. Most of our drugs were organic. Now they've made these things, since uh, what do they call it? Synthetic, and they get into your fat and get into your skin, and a lot of the drugs they addict people to now, you can't get off of. You can't even get off of them anymore. So it's got power. Amen? Alcoholism. Oh, my goodness. I dealt with a couple of alcoholics in my life. I was never, I never liked alcohol. I never liked the taste of it. But I, I, knew, I knew one guy, I, I, I just marveled at the way he drank. He probably drank more than, a, than, a, than four or five people could drink in a month. He drank in a day. I used to go get his alcohol. I worked for him. So in the morning, he'd show up with two six-packs of Budweiser. 10 o'clock in the morning, there used to be a store down here on 77th and Stewart. I'd go down to that store and get him two bottles of cold bear wine at 10 o'clock in the morning. And at noon, he would go before uh, 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 Happy Buddha was there. That was the old English steakhouse. Was that it? Is that what they called it? Well, they had a bar there, and he'd go there and drink uh, 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 mixed drinks for, for an hour, an hour and a half, come back to the business with a fifth of Jack Daniels, and him and one of the other guys there would drink that fifth of whiskey between uh, 1 o'clock and 3 o'clock, and at 3 o'clock, he'd send me to the store for a case of Budweiser. That's some power. Every day, day after day after day after day, and you can never tell he was drunk. That's some power. People are bound by drugs. They're bound by alcohol. But there's even more, there's powerful mindsets. Religion is one of the worst. There are people that are bound by religion that think they're going to heaven and they're not. That's got to be one of the worst deceptions. At least an old drunk knows he's a drunk. At least a drug addict knows he's a drug addict, knows he needs help. But there's religious people that think they're right and they're leading others to hell. So there's some power out there that you have to understand how it, how it manipulates people, how it works in our society. But I'm going to tell you what, God has invested some power in you as a believer, as his child. The power of his word, the power of his spirit, and the power of his name. Now, those are the three major power sources that you need to, number one, know about because it begins with what? We've studied it over and over. The knowledge of God. 
the knowledge of the Scripture releases not only your knowledge of that power, but it puts that power in you because the power is inherent in the Word. Amen? Now, let me say this also. You need that power working in your life every day. Number one, it must work for you to control your mind. You need the power of the Word, you need the power of the Holy Ghost, and you need the power of the name of Jesus to control the thoughts the enemy is trying to control you with. Now let me say this, don't get mad at Brother Rusty on this one, but you need to hear me, not just listen, but hear what I'm saying to you right now. If you are not controlling your thought life, the devil is controlling you. Now let me say that again. If you're not controlling your thought life, the devil is controlling you and he will control you, he will manipulate you, and he will destroy you, and he'll do it with a thought. That's why God has given you the power of the Word, the power of the name of Jesus, and the power of the Holy Ghost to not only to control your thought life, but to control your life, to keep the... Say, well, I wish God just get the devil out of my life. He did by empowering you to do it. You get the devil out of your life. You know, when Jesus was resisting Satan, there in Matthew chapter 4, he wasn't saying, now the Lord rebuke you. He was saying, it is written. Then finally he said, devil, get thee hence. What did he say? He said, get out of here. So there's an active release of power that you must be involved in at all times. If not, you're going to become weak and powerless. And you may love God, but you'll end up just a religious person, not a victorious person not an overcoming person. Now, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me, let me talk about Corinthians just for a moment, the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. I, I thank God that, that, that Paul went to Corinth because he didn't want to go. Paul, by the time Corinth came around, had been beaten, had been, just had a terrible resistance to the revelation he was teaching. He had been whipped, He'd been left in the ocean for a day and a night. He'd had all kinds of negative things happen to him. And it was all because of his preaching of the gospel. So by the time he walks into Corinth, he's like, you know, I really ain't got much to say here. (laughs) And God showed up and gave him a vision. And Jesus appeared to him and said, I have much people in this city Go and preach and don't be afraid. You know what was happening there? You know, all that's talked about, Paul's thorn in the flesh, this is where he got delivered from his thorn in the flesh. Because his thorn in the flesh was not like religion says, a weakness in his eyes. His thorn in the flesh was people that hindered him. And we know that by the revelation of the gospel that talks about the thorns in the flesh of the old covenant, which were the people that Israel did not deal with when they came into the promised land. God said there would be thorns in your flesh and pricks in your side. So the thorns in his flesh were the people. But then he came into Corinth and God said, I'm going to protect. He didn't get stoned at Corinth. He didn't get beat at Corinth. He didn't get whipped at Corinth. He preached the gospel at Corinth and he raised up a mighty church. But he found the church to be very, very carnal. And because of the carnality of the church. Now listen, you know, we're, we're not into blaming people. But Corinth, folks, there ain't, I guess there may be some cities like Corinth. But Corinth was given to two different things. Idol worship and prostitution through idol worship. There were, there were temples all over Corinth that were brothels. And men would come from all over the region in trade and stuff like that. And, they were, and so this, this entire industry had grown up around that and created this, this city. And to be called, listen, to be called a woman of Corinth, 
You, that, was the, that was the most degrading, degraded thing you could say to a woman because it was worse than a problem. Well, you're just an old woman of Corinth. That was a very degrading thing to say. But God said, now, Paul, you go there. Why? Because I have much people in the city. Amen. Now, here's his first letter he wrote. So he'd already gone there. He'd already had success. He'd already, now he's trying, I like to call the book of First and Second Corinthians the book of corrections. Because he's bringing a lot of correction to the carnality they tried to bring into the church. Now notice, I'm just going to start with verse 1. And brethren, I came unto you, not with the excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. Now, he's actually getting up and saying, now listen, it was not the eloquence of my speech and the wisdom, but it was the demonstration, the demonstration of the... So obviously, the Holy Ghost was moving in his meetings. And people were probably getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, healed. We know he walked in an apostolic ministry, so there were probably gifts of the Spirit in operation, and people were getting touched by God, but he was wanting them to see it's not really this message. Thank God for the message, because look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. That your faith should not be in what? The wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now we know faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So faith fuels itself from an informational force. Do you understand that? So I'm just praying for faith, praying for quit. That's one prayer God will not answer. You say, well, if I pray for faith, God will not give it to me. No, he will not because he gave us how we get faith. Faith cometh not by your praying to God and asking for it, but faith cometh by hearing, not listening, hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you have to determine the difference between the ability to listen and the ability to hear. Because you can listen all day long to the entire Bible, and it do you no good. But you could hear one scripture, and it changed your life. Because hearing, listen, let me just say it like this. Hearing is when it connects with you. I, I like to say it. I heard Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, speak on Mark eleven twenty three 23 for years. That was Brother Hagen's, that was it. That was his scripture. Most of my Bibles that I had in the first 10, 12 years of my ministry, next to Mark eleven twenty three, I wrote Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen, Brother Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. Because every time you get them, turn to Mark 11. But you know, for years and years, Mark 11, 23 became a, a, a scripture that I heard from Brother Hagin. You say, because well, I was listening. I was listening. But one day I heard it. Amen. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart. But believe those things which you say it shall come to pass. Shall have whatsoever they say. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive, you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. For if you give not those who trespass against you, how will your Father in heaven forgive you? So it was not. When I say that now, I don't even think of Brother Hagin. You say, why? Because it's not Brother Hagin that said it to me. It was Jesus that said it to me. You understand what I'm saying? So many times when you listen, you, you can equate what you listen to from the person you listen to it from. But when you hear the word, now let me say this to you very distinctly. When you hear the word, when you hear the word, what the word does, it presents you an opportunity to obey the faith that that word produces. Very simple. First time you ever heard the gospel. I, it may not have been the first time, but I'm just using that in its illustration form. The first time you ever heard the gospel, you had no faith. You had no faith. 
But when the gospel was preached, faith came. And when faith came, you had to make a decision. Maybe you were in a service like this and the the minister was saying, how many want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? You had to make the decision. Maybe it was on on one-on-one. Maybe it was a radio program, television, whatever it was, it brought you to a point in which you had to make a decision. Am I going to believe in my heart or am I going to confess with my mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead? If you did that, you heard it. If you didn't do that, you listened. That don't mean you should stop listening. That means you should keep listening till you hear. So he was giving an emphasis not on what was being said, but on what was being produced what was by what was being said. Now, now let me say that again. Not by just what was being said. That's religion. So we're so spoiled around here. You, you don't realize... And I know we're not some huge mega church, but I'm telling you, we are very spoiled. I mean, do you know how many churches that met in Galveston, but they had no tongues or interpretation of tongues? There was no great presence to the, to the praise and worship. Amen? Most of the offerings that are taken in churches now are, are not even talked about. There's just a box in the back of the church where you can play something if you'd like to make a donation. So there's no teaching. But we've had demonstration of the Spirit here this morning. We've had demonstrations of His presence here this morning. Uh, We've had demonstrations of revelation knowledge. We've had demonstrations of 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 all kinds of spiritual, angelic, and the angels being in the in the in the in the in the sanctuary. All kinds of you say why? Because there's an awareness in you because you sit under the teaching of the Word of God. You have an awareness that you take for granted. Amen. So he says this again. Let me, let me, let me. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but what? In the power of God. Amen? So we know that first and foremost, our power source is the Word. But how valuable would the Word be if there was no demonstration to it? If you preached salvation and no one got saved, or if you preached healing and no one got healed, or if you preached the baptism in the Holy Ghost and nobody got the Holy Ghost, or if you preached righteousness and nobody lived righteously, or if you preached joy and everyone stayed depressed. If there was no watching over the Word to perform it, if there was no, and He working with them to perform, if there was none of that, what would we have? We would have philosophy. We would have religious philosophy. Now, let me tell you something, church. I believe that that is the seed of the apostate church that has fallen away from God is philosophy because they've taken religion or they've taken the teaching of the Word out of our seminaries and put in philosophy, which is the understanding of the mind and the soul of men, which God says is His enemy. Amen? But God wants you to know there is some power Available to you. Available to you. Now, let me, real quick before I get ahead of myself. We're going to look at the Word, the power of the Word, the power of the Spirit, and the power of the name. But when you begin to understand God and His connection to power, think about power just in nature. Power of the ocean. Most people don't even want to understand the power of the ocean until you get in it and get grabbed by it and it does something to you. You can't resist. But even our little ocean out here, 
Better not play with it. Not, there's a lot of graveyards around here that got people in them because they thought there ain't no power in that ocean. And sometimes when it looks the calmest, that's when it's the worst. Amen. Alan and I, we've been in Hawaii and surfed some of those big waves. Up. Man, you talk about power. I was there one time years ago preparing for a, for a crusade in the wintertime. It was in uh, January. And the, and the North Shore was breaking so big that, that it was wrapping around the island and breaking all the way around the island of Oahu, that entire swell. So I went up to the North Shore with a friend of mine, and we stood at one of the big wave spots, and the ground was shaking with the power of the ocean. It was shaking. 35, 40-foot sets out there going, and that whole island was shaking under that power. Amen? Power of creation. Man, night and day. The seasons that come and go. God put power in the earth. Oh, the, 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 the petroleum that we use, God put that in the earth. Listen, now let me just say something. We ain't running out of oil. That's one of the most stupid things that anybody's ever said, that we're going to deplete the oil. I'm telling you, this whole earth is full of oil right now. I know guys in the oil business that told me that there's oil deposits in Texas that can supply the whole world for 200 years. They've not even tapped into it yet. Amen. There's military power. You know, back in the turn of the, uh, of, the 19, of the 20th century, 1900, 1899, 1900, 1901, 1902, power in nations was determined by how many battleships you had. Did you know that? Some of you study history. That if you had, you know, if you had, uh, uh, there was a big, uh, what would you call it, a, a big renaissance of building these uh, dreadnought battleships. That's, what the, that's when the battleship Texas was built during that time when nations were building battleships to prove how much power they had. That's when, Texas, that's when the Texas was built. So if you had more battleships, and, and even to the point where Japan built one that was huge, enormous, called the Yamato, that they tried to use at the Battle of Okinawa to bring in and destroy more of the, of the, of the, of the United States Navy, but they sank it on the way because they didn't have enough sailors to, to man it, so they scuttled it and destroyed it. They say that that thing was over 10 football fields long. Power. Amen. Power of legislation and government. There's the power of industry. Look what the power of industry has done in our lifetime. I mean, just in our lifetime. I mean, I'm just 66 years young. The first time I can remember coming to Galveston, I came with my dad on a Saturday. He worked at the, at the U.S. National Bank building. His, his office was up on the, high, the 11th floor. And I remember coming down here. This, would have been, this was before Carla. So this would have been 61 or 62. And, and coming to Galveston, it was a two-lane highway with a ditch down, down the middle. Anybody remember that? Had a ditch right down the middle, and there were two lanes on each side. It was like going for a drive in the country. Once you got past Alameda Mall, it was like going for a drive in the country. There was nothing but cattle on both sides of the road all the way to Galveston. There was a little bitty park in Dickinson where all the bikers hung out. Remember that? All the bikers hung out in that little park in Dickinson. Amen. But look what the power of industry's done. There, it's, it's city all the way to Houston. And Houston's growing out. That's all industry. That's all the power of industry. Look at the power of industry's done in our nation. There's the power of wealth. Wealth has power. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, the world system runs on the power of wealth. That's why they're destroying it because they want to take completely that power and turn it into a world system. That's why the economic, I mean, excuse me, the downfall of the world is not a military, military downfall. It's economic. It's that they don't even have to fire a shot now to take nations. Amen? There's the power of knowledge. And that, listen, Education is so powerful that if you get in there and mess with it, it can mess up whole generations. 
Did you know whole generations are messed up in our nation right now because of education? Not because of a bad education, but because of a, of a how can you say it? Because of a humanist education. And let me just say, you know, people think, well, they've got sisters, they all conspired to do it. No, no, they don't know any better. They are by nature children of wrath, the Bible says, even if they're only doing what's natural to them. You say, well, all these transgender people and all that. No, listen, they can't help themselves, church, neither. Like, you couldn't help yourself. You ought to thank God you're saved because you'd be a freak today too. Amen. There's power in all that stuff. Amen. Then there's the power of light and darkness. You understand the power of light and darkness. Now you're starting to get some insight into spiritual things. You say, why? Because God says he's delivered us from the power of darkness. And he's translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of light. Everybody say light. So when we begin with the word of God, how's my time? Okay, real quick, go to Hebrews Go to Hebrews chapter 1. Everybody say, the power of the Word. Say, the power of the Word is working in me, working for me, and working through me. Now let me read in verse 1, God who at sundry times, diverse manners, spake in times past by the fathers unto the prophets. Everybody say, the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Notice the word sat down. I'll bring that back to your attention in a minute. In the Amplified, can I read it to you in the Amplified? I love it in the Amplified. God having spoken to the fathers long ago in the voices and writings of the prophets in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth and in many ways, has in these last days spoken, spoken with finality to us in the person of one who is by his character and nature his son, namely Jesus whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things. Well, let me help you with a question. Who's it belong to? Let me try that again. Who's it belong to? Well, who is the heir and lawful owner of all things? Who is heir and lawful owner of all things? See, some of you right there, if you get that, you'd have a revelation. I don't want nobody owning me. I do. I'll take your place and all, all the stuff comes with it. <laughs> You say, well, because you're either owned by one or the other. There is no choice of, well, I'm going to be free from God, free from the devil, free from man. No, you're not. You'll never exist. Amen. But no, no, no. No, no, no. He purchased me. He bought me. I He put his all through my ear. If you know what I'm talking about, the bond servant, the bond slave, I'm telling you, I love the Lord. I love my master. And it is not a slave-owner relationship. It is an elder brother, heavenly father, Holy Ghost relationship. How do we get off on that? That's good anyway. Has in these last days spoken unto us with finality to us in the person of one who is by his character and nature, his son, namely Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir and lawful owner of all things 
through whom also he created the universe, that is the universe, as space, time, matter, continuum, the sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being the brilliant light of the divine, the exact representative and perfect imprint of his Father's essence and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word carrying goal no, excuse me, by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal when he himself and no other had by offering himself on the Christ as a sacrifice for sin, accomplished purification from sin and established our freedom from guilt. He has sat down revealing his completed work at the right hand of the majesty on high revealing his divine, now notice this, his divine authority. Now, we're going to, the power of the word, his mighty what? Word, everybody say word, word. of power. Word of power. Now, when you study this out, what makes this so amazing is that God, uh, say there was a, say there was a, a rock in heaven, a, a, just this big rock, We'll make it a precious stone, a diamond, a ruby or something. But, but this rock is a very unusual rock, and this rock has so much power, it has the power of everything, power of the universe, the power of eternity, the power of time, the power of everything. Is, everything, everything, everything is in this rock. Everything. Power of creation. Everything is in this rock. And so God hangs around this rock because this is where he gets his power. He hangs around this rock. And so he wants to reproduce himself, so he starts breaking off little pieces of this rock and giving it to people. So now they have that power, that same power that he has. Now he has it all, but he's given you proportionally what you need in your life to operate in. Amen? Now, if that was in the physical realm, and as we preached around, a rock appeared in your hands, oh, I got the power! While pastor was preaching, I got the power, I'm leaving with the power, Hallelujah. Amen? But you don't need a rock. You've got the Word. Because just like there was a rock in heaven, there is a rock in heaven, and His name is Jesus. And He is the Word of God. And He upholds and maintains and propels every... Now listen to me. Every molecule of this existence, the molecules holding this pole together, that chair together, Grace's shoes together, those molecules holding us together are held together by Jesus. Do you understand that? He is the essence of creation, the power of God. He is the what? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was made what? Flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory. Listen, you can't figure all this stuff out with your mind. Quit trying to do it. But you have to understand sitting there in your lap, either in that printed form or on a computer, however it is, is the power of God. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power. Now you think about the power that the devil used to keep people in condemnation. He names one of the number one things right there, guilt. You could live your whole life as an idiot. 
Well, I might as well just get right down to it, amen. <laughs> and do the stupidest things that anybody could ever do. And end up and think, well, I've wasted my whole life. You know what makes you say that is guilt. But when you get born again, you get a brand new life. I said, you get a brand new life. I don't care if you're 92 years old. You get a brand new life. Old things have passed away. But you're going to live in the bondage, the regret, the guilt, and the condemnation of your past until you get some power. Well, where does that power come from? Well, we've been teaching on redemption, and one of the best ways to get the power of God working into your life is with a redemptive revelation, realizing that everything Jesus did for you, He did it to get the power, that piece of that rock, into your life so that you would see it, utilize it, and use it. Power of the Word. Man, I, you talk about guilty, condemned, good night. I came back like a whip pup when I came back to the Lord. My tail between my legs. I don't want to hurt nobody, harm nobody, say anything wrong, do anything. I would tell you, I would just, I, and then I was so condemned. I mean, I had, to, I had to get up and tell my testimony sometimes two times a week about all the stupid things I did when I was an idiot. Amen? And that wasn't helping me. But man, when I got into those redemptive scriptures, and I started confessing every day. I'm crucified with him. Old things have passed away. All things are new for me. He that knew no sin was made sin on my behalf. Because of that, I'm the righteousness of God. And if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, there is no reason whatsoever why I should have any guilt, condemnation. The Bible says I can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. That's the holiest place in all existence in every realm there is. That's the most holy place there could ever be. And God says, you're welcome. You're welcome because you have no past. You have no condemnation. You have no guilt. He even starts Romans chapter 8 with this. There is therefore no condemnation, which means there's no grace white throne judgment to any individual who's in Christ Jesus. Well, I've ruined my life. That life's over. You've got a new life now. Oh, Mr. No, no. Well, I've got to have some power to get this out of my mind. You've got it. When you take that book and you start living in that book. I can't remember that pastor's name. I met him years ago. He was a hippie, had long hair, wore a feather in his ear, blew his mind on acid, LSD. Took a bunch of LSD when he was young, you know. And so he got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, my mind was blown. He said, so he, he said it like this. Let me see your iPad there, if this was a Bible. <laughs> He'd carry his Bible around like this. And people say, what do you think about this or that? He'd say, wait a second, let me look at my brain. <laughs> and he said, I heard him tell his testimony over at West Columbia. He said, I carried my brain in my hands for two years. He says, it took me two years to get my brain out of my hand and into my heart. He said, for two years, I carried my brain in my hand. And everywhere I went, somebody asked me something. I said, wait a second, let me look at my brain. Because this is how I think now. This is how I think now. That's where the power of the word, the power of the word, the power of the word, the power. You think about all the different backgrounds we've all come from. And many of us have come out of sin and come out of all. But notice how the power of God has all brought us into this place and how the power of the word has been working here at Island Church for going on 21 years now. You say, why? Because he upholds all things by his mighty word of power showing to us that God himself, where does he get his power? No power of God is ever released without his word. But when he releases his word, he is releasing the fullness of his power and his power can do anything. Now listen, this is so good. Here we are 2,000 years from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
We're, 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 we're in man's mentality. 2,000 years of erosion on something means there ain't much left to it. Just the opposite with spiritual things. God has fought and fought. He fought to get man out of the dark ages where the devil tried to totally cover up everything that had to do. Then man tried to grab the gospel and make it their government. You understand that? I don't have to mention any religious names, but that's what they did. Man saw, this can take the world over. If it takes the world over, we can't rule and reign. So what we're going to do is we're going to take it over and make it our religion. Universal. I'll let y'all think about that. You'll figure it out in a little bit. But God never backed off. Never backed off. I put it in my word. I'm not a liar. I don't tell the truth. I am the truth. So he stood by it and stood by it and stood by it till men got hungry enough, till men got curious enough to come out of the dark ages. Do you know how humanity came out of the dark ages? The Word. Do you know why we have air conditioning? Do you know why we can sit in a nice building? Do you know why we can get in an automobile and drive to our nice home? Do you know why we can get home and turn on our nice television and watch nice television? You know why? Because of the power of the Word. All of the technology on the planet came from the enlightenment of God in the hearts of men that came from the Word of God. The Word has enough power to change you, transform you. It has enough power to radically make your life so much more than it is right now. You say, why? Because God has the fullness of His power invested in His Word, and when He needs His power, what does He do? Speaks it. The power of the Word of God is released through your heart and through your mouth. And when you begin to realize that God has designed this entire thing to be used, now listen to me, you'll like this, just like he uses it. Do you think that he would give us something and say, use it different than I use it? No. He says, here's how I use it. Did you know that's exactly what Jesus did in Mark 11? You know, you read the whole story. He's walking by the tree, the fig tree. So he thinks, you know, I'm hungry. I'd like some fig preserves or something. You know, There's no fruit on it. Time of the figs wasn't yet. So the Bible says he cursed it. Said he walked by it the next day. The disciples marveled. Here's what he said. Peter said, Lord, it's dried up from the roots. In one day, 24 hours. So a word spoken to an inanimate object had that effect. See, people thought that was a deity trick. You say, what do you mean a deity trick? You know, here's Jesus down on the earth. He does retain something. So he does deity tricks, heals people, stuff like that. That's what religion thinks. But that's not what he was doing. He was illustrating something. He said, look, whosoever shall say to this mountain, he's standing by the Mount of Olives, giving a prophetic word which has a practical application. Because one day he will stand there and say, be removed and he'll be cast in the sea. But he said, now whosoever. So he wasn't talking about himself. He said, whosoever shall what? Say. Say, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and believeth in their heart. Whatsoever they say, they shall have whatsoever. What was he doing? He was not doing a deity trick. He was unlocking how the word works. Say, speak to, say, Pastor, but it's my thoughts. Speak to your thoughts. Speak to your mind. Speak to your circumstance. Speak, listen, everything, speak the word. You that, you that, your marriage, I've spoken the word over our marriage for years. 
We speak it over our children when they're small or when they're, or when they're grown. The word works only when it works in you and through you. That's when it works for you. And there's so much power in the word. There's so much power in the word. That's why we're here today. The power of the word of God. There's so much. And then when we get over into the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of the name of Jesus, you begin to see this threefold connection that God has given us. And if you walk out of here in three or four weeks and think, well, I ain't got no power, then you ain't heard a word I said. Because you have so much power right now that you're not even aware of that what we're going to do here in the next few weeks is we're going to try to get you aware of that power so that you can begin to use it to radically change your life. All you need is some more power. You say, well, how do I get it? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And when you begin to understand how the power of the Word works, amen? I mean, if you go home and you say, well, I'm going to mow my grass and I'm going to do it with this lawnmower, and you start pushing your lawnmower all around your yard without starting the motor. <laughs> and at the, end of, at the end of your trip, at the end of your trip, you look back and you say, well, that's a wasted effort. The grass is still tall. I ain't mowed nothing and I'm wore out. Good picture of religion right there. But see, when God gives you, now we're just talking about the Holy Ghost. When God gives you the Holy Ghost, he goes over there and starts your motor. We'll start, we'll pick that up next week. I don't want to, I don't want y'all getting too crazy right now before the, before you go. everybody say power. power. Say, I'm not going to live powerless. Say, I'm not going to live powerless. Say, I'm not going to live powerless. You're not either in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Where's Brother Frank? There you are. Play softly for us for a moment. Lift your hands and worship God for a moment. Father, we worship you. Thank you for your mighty word of power. Lord, you uphold, maintain, propel, and guide the entire universe. When you spoke it, it obeyed you. And Father, how can we say thank you? How can we say thank you for giving us the word, but then revealing to us how this word works and operates? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you the greatest power of this word is its saving power. So I pray for everyone here today. Number one, if they are saved, let them reaffirm it in their own heart. Let them draw with joy from the well of salvation. We thank you for it, Lord. But Father, if anyone's here today and doesn't know you, number one, there's a power of love for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or for anyone here, they know you, Lord, but fellowship has been broken. Thank you that you never broke their relationship. You drew them here today to just bring them back to your house, back to your heart. So if anyone's here today, Father, that they're just, they're just away from you. I know the religion calls it backslidden, but we know the devil fights people. They need an opportunity to get right with God. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around but myself and the ushers. If you're here today, you say, Pastor Rusty, I'm not. I'm not right with God. I need to be right with God. Please pray for me. If that's you, lift your hand up. Anyone at all. Anyone at all. Praise God. Well, good. Most people around looks like a good believers meeting. Amen. How many are empowered? Now, let me ask a couple of questions. You can help me now. Now, if if I were to ask you, how many are aware that there is power available? Raise your hand. So that's most of us, amen. Now, how many would say, I do need to know a little more about how to apply it to my life? Raise your hand. 
Amen. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus said you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come up. Well, He's come up on us. Amen. Amen. You ought to have some power. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Because the problem with the gifts of the Holy Ghost is we see them in manifestation in services and we think, well, that's how it works. Well, that's not true. Much of the time, the gifts of the Spirit work in the people and it's not a recognized operation like it is in a service. So people think, well, I'd like to flow like Pastor Rusty or Pastor Mark Brazier, somebody like, well, actually, you may be flowing in something you're not even aware of right now. And once you become aware of it, then it can be greatly enhanced. Amen? All of these spiritual truths, church, we need to be getting deeper and deeper and deeper into them because if we're not, what are we doing? We're getting deeper and deeper in what the world's doing. Buddy, the world is freaked out right now. I tell you what, I thank God Jesus is coming back for us because I don't know how much longer this is going to go because there's some crazy stuff going on out there and certainly it's biblical. It's lining up with the Word of God. But the good news is we're going to live in power until we leave in power. I like that. We're going to live in power till we leave in power. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you. Thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. Thank you for our beautiful auditorium reflecting that and the hearts of the people reflecting their desire to celebrate Jesus and His birth at this time. Lord, as we leave today, we know that there's many out with sickness and disease battling the devil. And we declare they shall return to the house of God. They shall return healthy and whole. And we stand with Brother Ted and Sister Ella, with Sister Myrta. We stand with them in Jesus' name. Others, Lord, that are fighting these fights of faith. Devil, you are a liar. And we declare that God's power manifest in them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for our protection and safety. We claim Psalms 91, no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh us. Angels have charge over us. Father, we thank you, each and every one of us, the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we claim our protection. The righteous labor of our hands, our businesses, our jobs, our students, our teachers, Father, we thank you that you watch over us, that you protect us. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence my help comes from. Our help is in the Lord who made both heaven and earth. Hallelujah. He will not suffer our foot to stumble. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He guards our going out and our coming in. From this time, and forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our witness, Lord. Let our witness be strong. Stir a heart of evangelism in us and let us awaken to this power, Lord. The power of your word, the power of your spirit, and the power of your name. As in 2023, we live a powerful, victorious life as a people, a church, and as families. Thank you, Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much for you first loved us. We walk in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. And we leave as the ambassadors of Christ. You called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.